Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world Passover Resurrection Sunday morning church service. And I'm so glad that you are here today. Praise God. Let's take our Bibles. I want to show you something that the Lord spoke to my heart about you and what God wants to do in your life. And it's found in Matthew chapter six. And I believe this is a verse that most of you probably could quote from heart, but I want you to see it as a now word of God working in your life. Matthew chapter six, verse 33, and we're going to receive the tithes and also the special Passover resurrection offering. And some of you have already sowed your seed. You've already brought it in. So for those that are honoring the Lord with your finances, I want you to see something very powerful. Matthew 6, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Now, again, I think many of you have this verse memorized. You know it really well, but I want you to notice the statement that Jesus said that if you will do this, then all these things shall be added to you. The Lord told me to tell you that it is now time for all these things to be added to you. God is going to start adding to you because you have put him first and his kingdom agenda first. God is going to begin to add to you in ways that you have never seen before. Now, all I want you to do is say, Pastor Stephen, I receive that as a word from heaven. Amen. Praise God. And you will see it unfold. Let's take a look also today at Psalm 23, because this is Passover 2023. And by going to Psalm 23, verse one, we see that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want my friends during this Passover and this time that we celebrate around the world when Jesus was raised from the dead, you have to understand that God wants to bring you out of every facet of lack or insufficiency or want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And God wants you to be able to make that same declaration. Now you may be in a place where you have to make it by faith because of maybe unpaid bills or unmet needs, but that's changing. And God is going to bring you into the green expansive pastures where you surely say, just like David did, the Lord is my shepherd. I have no lack in my life. There is no want or any lack in any part of my life. Now look at verse five. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. And that's what God wants to do for you where your cup is running over. God wants you to always perpetually be in the overflow where you have an abundance, where you are blessed so that you are now in a position to do what? To be a blessing. Your needs are met. Yes, abundantly supplied, but you have more than enough. And now you can further God's agenda. Now you can give in ways that you have always wanted to, but on larger scale levels, and you can be a blessing to others as you live your life and bring glory to the Lord. I really believe that God wants you to be a sign and a wonder among perhaps your unbelieving family members, or maybe they're Christians, but they don't, they don't see through the, the lens of the Holy Spirit the way that you do concerning God's plan of goodness and blessing for your life. So God wants to pour it out on you so that they can see it. And so that they will acknowledge, well, that's got to be God working because I know that person. I grew up with that person and they don't really have the, whatever it is to pull all of this off. So I know that you will give all the glory to the Lord. Make sure you do because God is going to cause your cup to run over to overflow. And then you will say, surely in goodness or surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord 
forever. Woo! Praise God. You get it. You get it all done right. You live in a way that glorifies the Lord. And when it's all said and done, we go to be with the Lord Jesus in heaven forever. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Passover has always been about sudden miracles. That was the thing with the Passover meal. You had to eat it very, very quickly because you will be leaving Egypt very, very quickly. So it is a time of sudden miracles. It is a time of power miracles, the great display of God's strong right arm. Praise the Lord where God split the waters of the Red Sea and three million Israelites crossed safely to the other side. Look at this with me in Hebrews chapter 11. And I think this is very amazing. Hebrews 11 verse 28. Now we know that when we go to Hebrews chapter 11, this is a chapter that focuses on the subject of faith. And I want to see you using your faith to achieve amazing miracles from the Lord in this season that we're in. Verse 28, by faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he would, uh, excuse me, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Now we keep the Passover also in the sense that we have Jesus. Jesus is the Passover lamb slain for the payment of the penalty that sin demands. So just as, as there is a sweet, innocent little lamb, Jesus was the sinless son of God slain for the remitting of the sins of all of the world. But you've got to put your faith and trust in him and receive Christ as your savior in order to receive that blessing, receive the born again experience. Praise God. Verse 29. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea. Again, how did they do it? By faith. There was a corporate gift of faith. And when I say corporate, I'm talking about the, the body, the group of Israelites together. We're not talking like a corporation like Texaco or IBM. We're talking about this collective group of people known as the covenant people of God, the Israelites, the children of Israel, by faith. They passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. My friends, I believe there will be others that look at you and look at your life and look at what God's doing. And maybe they think, oh, well, the only reason it's working for them is because that's a popular thing or they're maybe doing this. And so maybe they're going to try to emulate you and they'll find out it won't work for them. Why? What you're doing, you're doing by faith. And so you go to work by faith and the work that you do, you do it by faith and the giving that you do, you give by faith. And when you honor God with the tithe, you tithe by faith. And when you drive your car on vacation or you fly on an airplane, you do it all by faith, knowing that God is protecting you and keeping you and that the covenant gives you the right to exemption from danger and calamity that is out there afflicting the lives of others. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. And it was an absolute raw miracle of God. And by faith, you can pass through also your, as we would say, Red Sea. Now we know it is a representation of passing out of Egypt or passing out of being a place of spiritual death and being buried with Christ, even as the Israelites were in a sense immersed or baptized in the Moses and then coming up on the other side free and stepping into the new life of the born again experience in Christ. And then going into the Canaan land and possessing the inheritance or the promises that God has given to you as an individual believer as well as a body that we are in of believers. Praise God. But my friends, you can also pass through the unpaid bills and you can, you can go by faith and God will cause the provision to come as you continue to work and trust God and, and uh, can just to stay in there and hang in there. God will cause the bills to be paid. God will cause the debts either to be paid off immediately or paid down, paid down, paid down, and then they're gone. God's moving quickly. I believe even this year, many of you, if you would release your faith and you would pass through in faith, you'll find out before the year is done, you can be 
completely, absolutely debt-free. Woo! Praise you, Lord Jesus. You can pass through the sickness, the disease, uh, the uh, viruses, and all the yucky stuff that's in the earth by walking in faith. Praise God. And if you're struggling with something, stand on the Word of God and keep walking forward, and eventually you'll reach the other side, a place of victory, and a place where you will see the Egyptians no more. Praise God. God has nothing but absolute total victory planned for you. Not one area of defeat in your life. I want to talk today about how you can move it from scripture to a living reality in your life. But first you need to know that it is a reality for any believer that wants to experience it manifesting, bubbling up in their life, this triumphant victory that Jesus has made available for you. So what I want to do today is we're going to receive the tithes. That's 10% of your income, 10% of your increase. We're going to honor the Lord and bring that into the house of God because the tithe belongs to the Lord. And if you have not yet done so, now is the time to sow your 2023 Passover resurrection offering because it is on this day that we commemorate when God gave his best. And so in return, as an expression of our love, we give our best to the Lord with our very best offering. And I want to encourage you, if you have not yet done so, do so right now. Praise God. Hallelujah. I have already been receiving the special offerings that many of you have been mailing in or bringing in online. I am already hearing testimonies. Somebody just had a $50,000 hospital bill completely paid off by the hospital. Totally paid off. Amen. Glory to God. Praise you, Lord Jesus. So miracles are happening, and I want you to get in on this Red Sea splitting anointing, this resurrection anointing, that was the greatest release of power was when God the Father through the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead because all of hell tried to hold him down and they couldn't. He came up in complete absolute victory. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. All right, so let's bring the tithes in, and let's also bring the special offering in at this time. Now, if you're going to mail them in, please send your tithes and offering to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, the zip code 28654. If you want to bring your tithe and your special resurrection Passover offering in, you can do so from anywhere in the world as long as you can get on the internet, okay? And please go to our website, stephenbrooks.org. And if you will look at the header at the top of the web website, it says give online, or it says, yes, I believe it says give online. Uh, if you're on a smartphone or tablet, you see that little icon in the right hand corner, just tap that. It brings the uh, drop down menu for online giving and just click that. It'll take you to the giving page and it'll say funds. F-U-N-D-S. It's a lot of fun to click the funds, and that brings a drop-down menu, and in that little drop-down menu, you'll see tithes, you'll see other types of offerings, but you'll see the Passover 2023 offering. Click that, and I'm believing that God will honor your seed, and God will work miracles in your life, and I'm believing that God will work strong, strong miracles. Everything about Passover and God's people coming out of Egypt uh, were power displays, the 10 plagues, each plague assaulting and uh, humiliating one of the false gods that the Egyptians worshiped. And it was like that one after another, one after another. So it was all power displays, God raising Jesus from the dead, the ultimate power display. And I believe that you're going to see the power of God in your life, in your life also. And you'll have your testimonies. Amen. Get your seed in the ground, right seed, right soil, right time. Amen. And today is today. Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless your people with a miraculous miracle harvest. I speak blessing over their tithes. I speak blessing over their seed. And I thank you, Father God, that the harvest is already moving towards them and it will make them smile. It will make them happy. It will make them dance and it will greatly replenish and bless them in many ways. Now, Father, we thank you in Jesus name. Amen.
And around the world we say, Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's take our Bibles and go to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to talk about how Jesus triumphed over all the powers of darkness and how really his triumph is actually yours. Now, I'm going to teach some things today that growing up in church, I did not know. Let me get some hot tea. Excuse me just a moment. The reason what I'm going to share today, and it's now common knowledge in the body of Christ, but the reason I did not know growing up was because my pastor didn't know. So you can only teach, you can only impart what you have received. But God has been moving over the decades and the end time church is destined to be a glorious church. And that is the church that Christ will come back for the spotless, free from all blemish bride of Christ. Praise God. And that is the group that you are in. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word today, we ask that your spirit would bring life to the scriptures so that it's not just ink on paper, it's not just a history lesson, but it is living truth, it's food that we consume within our spirit man. We're feeding our faith with faith food. Now, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. First Peter chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the spirit by whom also he, that would be Jesus went and preached to the spirits in prison. Now, when Jesus died on the cross, they took his body and placed it in a tomb that had never been used before. It was a new tomb the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, a very wealthy man. So Jesus, his body was laid in that tomb and the tomb was closed with a gigantic stone that was rolled in front of him. And so while his body lay in the tomb, his spirit went down into hell. Now he did not go down into hell to suffer or to burn in the flames of hell. Some have actually taught that. That's a very, uh, very wrong teaching. Jesus said on the cross, his last words, it is finished. That meant he had, uh, he had all the sins of humankind poured upon him, and he bore them on the cross, and he died. It killed him. And he said, it is finished. So he bored. It was done that there's nothing else to do. He has done it all. So when Jesus with his dead body in the tomb, he goes down with this as a spirit being, he goes down into the area known as hell and hell was actually, uh, we could say it would be like in the center of the earth, but it is a spiritual realm within the center of the earth. And across from the area of torment or Sheol, as the Old Testament would call it, there was another area that would be known as the bosom of Abraham. And that is where the Old Testament saints who died went to. And they're in this holding area called paradise. And from the area of paradise over here into this area of torment, into this area of hell, there is a inseparable chasm. There was a chasm that nobody could cross that kept the two uh, at a very good distance apart. So Jesus, he, he did several things. One of the things he did is that he went over to the area of Abraham's bosom and he said, Hey, I'm here to get you all out of here. And I'm taking you when I go up, I'm taking you with me to heaven. And that's why we read in the the book of Ephesians chapter four, when he ascended on high, he took captivity captive. He took all of the old Testament saints with him and up he went. And as he was going up, he gave gifts unto men. And he is still giving those gifts today. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, those are ministry gifts to the body of Christ 
to the world. Praise God forever. Amen. But you have to understand that he also went over into the area of hell. But he did not go over into that area to be roasted in the fire. No, he's going over there now as the conqueror because he did what God called him to do. He paid, he paid the penalty of humanity's sin. He suffered and bore it all. And now, he, while his body is in that tomb, now he's got some business to take care of. Now, let's look what he did. By whom he, excuse me, by whom also he, Jesus, went and preached to the spirits in prison. Now, this is interesting where it says, by whom also. When it says also, this implies there's something else he did. So actually, it would take some time to explain everything that he did during those three days while his body was in the, the grave. He's down, he's down in the lower parts of the earth taking care of business. By whom also he went and preached. To who? To the spirits in prison. Now, who are these spirits that are in prison? Verse 20, who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah. Oh, so this would be around the time of the, the Noahic flood. Yes. While the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. Now, in your free time, of course, you could read about this. This would be Genesis chapter 6, and that dealt, that chapter deals with the rebellious angels who went beyond a boundary that God had for them, even though they're fallen, God still had some boundaries set. They crossed a boundary when they cohabited with women and thus produced what became known as this race of giants, the Nephilim. And those giants actually were not only in the Middle East, such as, you know, hanging out with the Philistines, you had, you had Goliath, you had this, these giant uh, lineages, you know, going here and there, but they've actually have been found all over the earth. And many people believe that actually once the giants were pretty much killed off in what we know as the land of Israel and that part of the world, many of the giants saw that they were losing and they got on their own boats and ships and they sailed elsewhere, such as to South America and other places of the world. And uh, it's a big cover up, but that's actually the truth. Most of the skeletal remains that have been found have been swooped up by agencies that would be under the banner of our federal government and they are collected, you know, supposedly collected to be put in, you know, some of these national museums we have, but then they just disappear. Once the bones are collected, these giant skeletons are collected, they just totally disappear. <laughs> That's because those state-sponsored museums, if you've ever been to them, I've been to every single one in Washington, D.C., but they're all federal state-sponsored, and that is an atheistic uh how can we say narrative that runs throughout the Museum of Natural History, where you see all the cavemen, Neanderthal, Cro-Magnon man, and all of that stuff propped up. And it's just a big, it is nothing but a religious house of evolution. So they just, they make them all disappear because they don't want any evidence to be around. But nevertheless, here we see that those angels who violated these bounds, they are now all chained up. Matter of fact, Jude speaks about that. Let me turn over there just for a moment. Jude only has one chapter. It's a little bitty letter, but Jude chapter six, excuse me, verse six, verse six and seven. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he that would be God has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So these outlaw rebellious angels that did this act, uh, they are in everlasting chains bound 
for the uh, day of judgment. Well, Jesus, when he went down into hell, he went down in the hell and walked right up to them and looked at all of them in the eye and said, you lost. See, their strategy was to somehow block the human race from having any purity in it so that a redeemer or a Messiah could never come. They knew about the prophecy with the woman that the woman would, there'd be a stomping on the head of Satan somehow through the woman. So these uh, demons, these evil spirits, they thought, well, let's just pollute the entire human bloodline. And that's why there was the cohabitating the giants, the perversion and things like that. They're trying to defile the human genetic code. Very, very interesting. But Jesus basically said, you're lost. Your whole silly plans, none of it worked. None of it worked. Mm, praise the Lord. Amen. What a miracle. What a miracle. Praise God. Okay. So again, we're back in 1 Peter chapter 3. It says that he preached to the spirits in prison. Now the word that Peter uses here in the Greek for the word preach is very interesting. In the Greek it means uh, there's a word picture associated. And when this word would be used, it was used back in that time when a messenger would publish the verdict of a court case that had just, that had just been decided. And what would take place is that a judgment had just been handed down by a king and it was being now read to those who have been now found guilty and are being sentenced by the judgment of the court. Woo! Praise the Lord. And so that's what Jesus did. He preached to them and said, you're judged and you're going to burn in the lake of fire for all eternity. And they knew they, they, they knew it for sure. They've lost the plan didn't work and none of their plans will ever, ever work. So Jesus proclaimed his judgment and his victory over all of the powers of darkness over Satan and over death and over even hell. You have to realize that hell is uh, while we think of hell as a destination and it is for the wicked who do not receive Jesus and who choose to follow the devil. Hell, which is a destination down below, down in the lower parts of the earth where it's burning hot and there's indescribable torments and horrors and torture. And the Lord took, has taken me there or, or he's taken me. Let me get the proper English word here. He's taken me there several times. I have actually seen hell having as a visitor of being able to stand and look at some of the activities that take place there. It is horror beyond comprehension, but you have to understand that hell is also, while it is a location and a place, it is also a spiritual entity. And one day on the final day of judgment, hell will actually be thrown into the lake of fire. So hell and the lake of fire are two different places. Now hell has a lot of fire, a lot of people burning and a lot of awful things taking place, but hell and all of its inhabitants one day will be thrown into the lake of fire. Mm -mm. And it's a place so awful. The lake of fire is so awful. It was originally only designed for Satan and all of the demons, all of the, all of the rebel angels, but because Mankind in their sinful ways chooses to reject a pure, loving, and holy God. Therefore, wicked men, men get to go to the same place of torment. Praise the Lord forever. Amen. Now, Colossians chapter 2. Let's turn over there just for a moment. Colossians chapter 2. And we're coming to a very powerful verse. Verse 15. Now, this is amazing. We're going to get some good New Testament theology today. As I read this verse to you, I want you to understand that many good Christians who love Jesus, who are very sweet, they're on their way to heaven. But many very good Christians, they actually fashion 
and form their theology based on their life experiences, not on God's word. So they could be believing God, maybe walking with God, uh, but maybe something doesn't work out. Then they blame God and they say, well, obviously, Lord, you said this, but it didn't work for me. So I don't know what to think about it. Uh, and so they base theology on sometimes bad experiences. I had a young preacher friend of mine. He went and preached at a church and he just said, while he was at the church, he said, God is good. Many of you have heard me tell this story before. He said, God is good. And he said it a couple times in the, in the meeting, which is great. I mean, the Psalms which are the Bible, God's Word, Israel's songbook, inspired by the Holy Spirit, are full of the statement, God is good. Well, after the service, the pastor took him aside and said, uh, in my church, when you minister for me, don't ever say that ever at this pulpit. He said, say what? The preacher said, God is good. Don't ever say that. And so this young man said, well, why in the world would I not say that? That's in the Bible. And the preacher said, no, God's not good. If he were good, this would not have happened to my son. And something happened to his son, and it made the preacher mad at God. So what happens is that a lot of times, because people don't, when I say people, I'm talking about Christians, they don't know how to take what's actually theirs and turn it into a living reality in their life. Because of that, sometimes they don't know that they can walk in triumphant victory. And so they get defeated. And then they form their theology based on their defeated experience instead on the fact that Jesus really just totally whooped the devil. I mean, when Jesus died, he went down into hell and he showed them, hey, who the boss is. And he, he took the keys of death and hell and they couldn't do anything about it. They could not do anything about it. They had a last gasp measure that maybe we can, maybe he can never get out of here because nobody ever has. But um, no, all of hell, every demon, even Satan and all the other uh, evil ones, they could not hold him or keep him down. He arose. They couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> and he took all of their authority with him when he came up. And here's what you have to understand. He has invested that into you. He has invested his authority now into the church. That's why he said, go. Go ye into all the world. Now I'm using King James Version. In other words, you go into all the world and preach the gospel. He is investing you with the authority that God the Father has given him because he's triumphed over all the works of the devil. And he expects you to walk in that same triumphant victory, anointing in your life as well. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, um, we just read about some of those angels that got out of bounds. And of course they're already out of bounds by being uh, rejected out of heaven and deciding to run with Lucifer. And then they, they made it even worse for themselves. But you have to understand as a Christian, you can get out of bounds also, and you can go beyond God's plan for your life and, and try to step into something that God hasn't called you to do, or maybe try to go into an area God hasn't called you into. And then you fail Instead of realizing that you made a mistake, sometimes people uh, blame God and say, well, God didn't come through for me. God's like, I never told you to do that. And so again, they end up forming a wrong theology. Or sometimes they just don't know how to get the victory and walk out what is actually theirs. We'll drill that on that in just a moment. It's very, very important. But first of all, verse 15, speaking about Jesus and what he did at Calvary. Because at verse, four, uh, verse 14 talks about the cross. So that's the context, the cross. So Jesus, verse 15, having disarmed, disarmed, the King James Version uses the word spoil. But what it, do, what it means to disarm is to strip your adversary because you've, you've beaten them. Now it means that you disarm them. You strip all of their armor off of them. You strip all of their clothing off of them. And then you take any and every weapon off of them. By the way, it's recorded in the uh, writings of the Jewish people by the rabbis that when the Egyptians washed up on the shore dead, a lot of their weaponry washed up on the shore. And instantly, just like that, all of those weapons that the enemy was going to use to kill 
and slice up and rip apart God's people. Now suddenly the Israelites who had no weapons, no knives, no swords, no spears, nothing. Suddenly now you've got all of these weapons laying on the beach and the Israelites, the entire nation was immediately armed with the best weaponry available on planet earth. Amen. Well, in a similar way, just like the Egyptians were stripped, Jesus stripped all of the powers of darkness and humiliated them and embarrassed them and took all of their weapons away. So the devil has no authority over you as a believer. The only authority is what we would yield to him or give to him. Praise God. Hallelujah. Having disarmed, stripped, spoiled principalities. Well, principalities are those dark spiritual beings that rule and influence behind the scenes. And then it talks about powers. Powers also would be these uh, uh, spirits of evil that are operating and influencing people to do wrong in the uh, invisible realm. It says here that he disarmed the principalities and powers. These are all dark, evil forces. These are all those from the bad camp. He disarmed all of them. He made a public spectacle of them. That means what Jesus did, he did it in a way, when it uses the word public spectacle, that means open, and in the Greek it denotes boldly. This is done boldly. Everybody knows who won this battle. Jesus won the battle, and he did it openly and publicly through his mighty resurrection and ascension. Praise the Lord. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. What is it? He triumphed over them in it. It is the cross. He paid the full penalty of sin. He bore the wrath of God. He completed his mission and assignment, and he won. And he went down into hell, and he really did some serious uh, hurt on the enemy. Woo, praise God. Triumphed over them in the cross. Now the word triumph here is a word that the Holy Spirit is inspiring Paul to write down. You have to understand that Paul was Jewish, but Paul was also a Roman citizen. Well, you think, well, Pastor Stephen, uh, Paul was a Roman citizen. Was, did he ever live in Rome? No, he was Paul of Tarsus. So where's Tarsus at? Is that in Italy? Uh, no, it's in southern Turkey. Okay, so how can he be a Roman if he's in southern Turkey? Because, as many of you know, when you go to Israel, when you go to the Middle East, you get a weird feeling sometimes. You can be in the Middle East, and you start thinking, why in the world does it look like I'm in Europe? feels like I'm in Europe with the architecture and the things, and these old things that have been built. This, I feel like I'm in Italy, like in Rome. That's because Rome had conquered that entire area. So Saul of Tarsus, Tarsus was a principality. It was a area that was under the complete control of Rome. And so Paul knew all about Roman culture. And he understood how the Roman government Operate it. So this word triumph is a word that instantly anybody who had any dealings with the Roman government, and they were very widespread, of course, they knew exactly what this word would, would mean. It is a word that instantly creates a word picture of leading a prisoner or prisoners in a way that totally, completely humiliates and degrades them. You are leading them in a victorious, triumphal parade. What would take place is that when there was a war, you had a Roman emperor or a Roman general, and they were warring against a barbaric tribe or against maybe another nation that did not want to submit or pay their taxes. Well, the, the Roman army and this other nation would come to battle. And there'd be a war. And as often was the case, Rome would just win over and over and over and over and over again. They had the best military. They had the best 
training. They had the best food supply. They had the best equipment. They were the only soldiers that actually had spikes on the shoes they wore. They just had it all figured out in all kinds of areas. They had the best sword. It wasn't too long. It wasn't too short. So they're just winning everything. Okay, so once they had defeated the opposing army, then they go back to Rome. The entire Roman army goes back to Rome, and they're bringing their captives with them. Okay, so they get back to Rome, and it would be announced that the emperor, or let's say it was a Roman general, just one, now they're back, and so there, there would be a citywide parade, and all of the citizens of Rome would come out, and they would meet the the general, as he's riding back into Rome, they would have him on a white horse. He would ride in on a white horse, and right behind him would be his officers and then his trusted soldiers. And all of the people would be throwing flowers, and they would be, uh, you know, uh, many times they would worship the emperor and even worship a general. And so they are coming into the city, and they are being adulated and praised and things like that. But once they pass by, right behind them is the captured army. And leading the captured army would have been the king of that nation that they just conquered in battle. What they would have done is they would have taken that king and stripped any vestige of kingship off of him. No crown, no nice clothing. They would have him walk through this uh, city completely naked. And they would completely humiliate him and degrade him. People would throw rotten fruit at him and stuff, rotten vegetables at him and rotten eggs at him and things like that. And behind him, ashamed right along with him, would be his defeated army. And that, my friends, is the word that Paul is using. That is what Jesus did to Satan and all of the demons on the dark side. He completely defeated them, stripped them of all authority, all power, all weaponry, and it's taken their ability to hurt you or harm you completely away from them. Praise God. Hallelujah. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in the cross. Woo! Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Why don't you just lift your hands for a moment and say, Jesus, thank you for the ultimate victory. <laughs> Woo, praise God. I tell you, this is quite a holy week that we're having. We're having Passover and Sunday, Jesus' celebration of his resurrection from the dead. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, look at verse 14. It says, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he, that would be Jesus, has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Quite a few translations say that he took the debt or the penalty, the debt that we owed for all of our sins and breaking the commandments of God, and he removed the debt. And that's amazing. Let me tell you right now, please let this get real deep down into your spirit. Let it even soak all the way down to your toes at the bottom of your feet. Amen. If Jesus can handle your sin debt, you don't think he can help you get out of financial debt? Now, come on, let that get into your spirit. If Jesus could handle your sin debt, and he had to spill all of his blood to do that, but he did it. If he could deal with that, how much easier can he help walk you out of financial debt, out of financial dilemma? If he could bring 3 million people that are in slavery and bondage and can bring them out, he could bring you out too. Amen. And you know what? He could do it within three months. He could do it with, he could do it this year. But I want you to release your faith during this resurrection day and during this Passover uh, high holy week. I want you to release your faith for some raw miracle power of God to be moving in your life. Amen. To be moving in your body for healing, to be moving in your finances for miracles to happen. Amen. Praise the Lord, because Jesus has won it all. Amen. I, I want you to know that the devil has been defeated. We're not trying to defeat a foe that has already been defeated. Jesus' victory over Satan was a momentous affair. 
Hallelujah. When Jesus returned to heaven, he was absolutely, completely triumphant. Heaven threw a party unlike anything ever seen before. Angels and seraphim and cherubim and all of the saints now in heaven with him. I tell you what, it was off the charts. Celebration, praise God. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Satan is not a force we are trying to defeat. He is already defeated. But here's the catch. Very few believers know how to effectively use their God-given authority to resist Satan. So he tries to continually illegally operate and do damage to the souls of men and women who are ignorant of his devices and are ignorant of his now current stripped status. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Well, Pastor Stephen, that's quite a theology. That's quite a presentation. What do I do with it? Number one is you believe it. You don't try to make your own theology. So th this is what I grew up. This is the th theology I grew up with, which was we have to just make it through life as poor beggars beaten down and trodden through. But one day we'll cross over to the other side and then it'll all be worth it. Well, you know what? I do have to commend the old preachers and the old saints in the church that I grew up in that at least they were going to serve God come hell or high water. They were going to serve God no matter how many car wrecks they got in, no matter how many accidents that befell them, no matter how many sicknesses or diseases that the devil walloped them with, and there was a lot of stuff like that going on, they were not going to let go of Jesus. And many of them graduated on to heaven. But the truth is, is that Jesus whipped the devil and has complete triumph over all the powers of, the, of darkness. And his triumph is now your triumph. And you don't have to let the devil push you around anymore. Mm -mm. Well, Pastor Stephen, I believe it. I believe it. You've proven it. It's in the Bible. So what do, what do we do? Well, again, number one, just like the Israelites crossed through the Red Sea, how? By faith. You have to walk your life by faith and you have to just settle down and believe God's word and say, well, this is the truth. And so the winds may blow and many times they will. And the storms of life may come and they certainly do, but come hell or high water, I'm standing in faith and I'm going through this to the other side. Hallelujah. And right in the middle of it, I think I'm going to just turn around over here and laugh at the devil. Amen. Cause he thinks he's got me, but I know I'm going to get through it again. Cause with God, you cannot fail. My friends, I need to tell you that today on Passover 2023, that if you will walk close to God, believe the correct New Testament theology, which is not, not a theology of defeatism and suffering, but a theology of triumphant uh, victory, I'm telling you, there's always a way forward. There is always a breakthrough. There is always a door that God will open for you, and you'll just keep moving right on ahead until you go step right over to be with Jesus in heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. But this is what you have to do also. Please listen carefully. We live in, a, in, a, in an age, and God chose you to be in this age because he knew, he knew that you would look to him for the grace that's needed. But we live in an age today that has more distractions and has more toys and has more fun options than any other generation that has ever lived on the face of the earth. We have high, are you ready for this? We have higher living standards than King Solomon, the richest man that ever lived. King Solomon never had air conditioning. King Solomon never had HVAC heating. King Solomon never had a water heater. He never had a swimming pool like we can have access to. He didn't have all of these things. He never had an iPad. He never had a 75-inch TV. And we thank God for these nice things. But listen, in the last days, the hearts of many will grow cold, will grow dull, because of all of these distractions that are meant in many ways to pull people away from the Lord. And if you get away from a close walk with God, and you start backing off of your prayer life, you can still admit that this theology is true and you could still admit, you know, I'm supposed to be winning, but if you don't walk close with God in the crazy days in which we live, the enemy will frustrate you and he'll get these victories over you because even though Christ's victory is your victory, 
You have to really walk close to the Lord for the Word of God to perform in your life. And that's the area that many miss it in. So number one, you have to have the right theology. And it is a theology of triumphant victory. I'm talking totally over the top. But in order to do that, you first have to know that's true. And we've looked at that today. And then you've got to walk real close to the Lord. You have got to walk real close to the Lord. If you're not praying an hour a day, and we're not talking about legalism or bondage, but if you're not praying an hour a day, you're going to have a hard time getting the victory. Jesus said, could you not tarry with me for an hour? So the enemy will frustrate the reality of these truths. He'll challenge you left and right. But I'm telling you that if you will not let go of God's word, if you will walk in the authority that he has given you and walk close with him, suddenly you'll see on every side of your life, resurrection power being released. You'll see areas that look so locked down by the enemy that that looks like not even Samson could lick, could lift it. I'm telling you what, my friends, if you will walk close with God and walk in the authority that Jesus has invested in you as a believer, the very triumphant authority that is on him, that's now on you, you'll start getting out of all kinds of difficult situations, out of all of them eventually, and you'll start moving on the fast track that God has for you, and you will complete every single thing that God has called you to do. Praise God. But be careful. Be very careful. We have, we have movies. We have sports. We have the Internet and endless surfing into any uh, any knowledge area that anything that you ever wanted to know how it worked, how gumballs are made, how, how steel bolts are made. Anything that you ever wanted to know is now out there and you can lose hours and hours of time with needless knowledge that doesn't move you forward in God's plan for your life. So you've got to get real serious about your prayer walk. You have to really lean into the Lord because this is what the Lord told me. This is what he told me, that you will always have triumphant victory, but you must pray in order to prevent leaving your ripe harvest in the field. Okay? You've sown your Passover seed. You're giving your resurrection Passover offering. And God's going to do a miracle for you. But the last thing you want is to be so spiritually dull that the angels are trying to get you to notice the harvest that God has for you, but you can't pick it up because you have no prayer life. You can't pick it up because you have no flowing ability with the Spirit because you're not spending any time with God. And that's why some people miss their harvest. It's literally, it's ripe, and it's sitting out there in the field, and they, they, they have no knowledge of it. But that will not happen to you. This Passover is different. This marks a different moment in your life. This is a distinctive change in your life. You will have every harvest that God intends for you to have. The enemy cannot block it. You will have the 100-fold return, God's very best for you, off of every seed sown. And I believe even previous seeds that you sowed, but maybe you couldn't pick up on how to see that harvest come forth. You're going to get those also. So it's time to walk with the Lord, believe the word, and step into the fullness of what God has for you. Praise God. The Lord has blessed my wife and I to be able to travel all over the world. And I, I've been completely around the world. I've actually have done a round-the-world trip and have been to many nations, some of them quite a few times. And we're going to continue to do those international trips as the Lord leads. But I need to let you know that that America is, uh, and Europe also, we, we have things that much of the other world does not have. So we have all of these options for recreation and fun. I've never seen the kind of toys ever that we have now. You know, when I grew up, maybe there was a car and maybe, maybe like one kid would get like a motocross bike. Uh, but now there's, 
There's, there's every kind of toy under the sun. There's jet skis and three-wheel motorcycles and two-wheel motorcycles and cars out the gazoo. And now you can customize anything the way that you want it. And on and on it goes, not only with this area, but now with this area. In all areas now in America, particularly, there are so many options. And if you have kids, now you've got sports. Now you have uh, tennis, soccer, and uh, jump on the trampoline, and uh, the gymnastics, or this. And it just goes on and on and on. On, and people get caught up in this stuff of life. And before you know it, the power walk that God wants you to have with that resurrection power is surging through you and you're staying on target. You're staying on task. I'm telling you, if you, if you drift, you'll lose that power. And that's why even if the theology is correct, the power won't be there for the um, boom, the displays of God moving in your life. Well, Pastor Stephen, what should I do? Pray. Get up early tomorrow morning before you go to work. Pray. Hallelujah. And if you work a night shift when it go, before you go into work, make sure you spend time with the Lord in prayer. But my friends, walk close to the Lord. Amen. Of course, He's coming soon, and He's going to be doing great things. I tell you what, I tell you what, this is the greatest year of your life yet. Amen. And you're going to see incredible harvest. Praise the Lord. Now, please lift your hands. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray for your people that are watching, listening today, that this, that this area of Christian triumph not be some just kind of dominion theology, but it actually be living reality in the lives of your people, that they're winning in every area of their life. They're winning. They're having a good marriage. They're having a good career. Their finances are strong. Father, there's health in their body. They're winning souls. They are being fruitful spiritually. Everything is blossoming in their life. So, Father, I pray that the anointing of triumphant victory touch them, touch them, and that they will not tolerate defeat, and that they will stand on your word and pray and pray until they get into that victory zone. Hallelujah. But now, Father, we thank you that we know that while the devil is defeated, that doesn't mean he lays down and gives us a break. He will challenge our faith. But we thank you that as we stand with you and stick real close to you, that we go through everything and come into another level of victory. Father, we thank you. We thank you for victory over and over and over again. And nothing less than that. Now we give you all of the praise because it's all possible because of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen and amen. My friends, this is normal Christian living. Woo, praise God, amen. Now some of you, um, you may be stuck in some areas. The Lord's going to help you turn the tables on the devil. Amen. And you're going to turn them quick. I'm telling you, you're going to turn them quick. Praise God. Amen. Well, if you're watching today, maybe you, you're watching and you don't know the Lord, but you just felt like, I think I'll do something religious today. I'll, I'll watch a, a Easter message, a Christian message. And for whatever reason, maybe you watch this one. My friend, you can make your peace with God today, have your sins forgiven, and get ready for your uh, acceptance into, into heaven by receiving Jesus. Amen. Or perhaps you're watching and you used to be a Christian, but you backslid. Maybe you felt like you do something uh, to ease your conscience, so you watched an Easter message, and now here we are. You need to rededicate your life to the Lord today, and get back on track, and get back right with God, and make up for any lost time. And God will certainly release plenty of grace for that, okay? So you need to pray this prayer too. So let's all pray together. If, you do, if you're not right with God, pray this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Come into my heart. Wash all of my sins away. Write my name in your book of life and step into my life right now and lead me and guide me from this day forward. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. And I believe that you rose from the dead and that you ascended into heaven. And you are seated at the right hand of the Heavenly Father. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for saving me now. In your name I pray. Amen. And 
Amen. 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 Woo. Hallelujah. The devil lost again. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. God is good. God is good. Pastor Tiffany, you're not supposed to say that. I'll say it forever from this pulpit. God is a good God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, let's take communion together. I want you to grab some, first of all, some unleavened bread. In Passover, you got rid of anything that was, that had leaven in it. In other words, when you put leaven or what, like, it's like yeast in bread, it causes the bread to rise and nice puffy bread. Okay. That's what we don't want because, uh, that was a representation leaven was of sin. Okay. So we're using unleavened bread. Remember during Passover, get all the leaven out. In other words, get all the sin out, deal with sin, get it out of your house, get it out of your life. And grab some grape juice. And let's pray. Father, we thank you today that this is Passover week. And this is the day when Jesus rose from the dead. Father, we ask that you would bless the bread and the juice. And we set it apart now as being holy. And we thank you that this is the body of Jesus, our Passover lamb. And that this is his blood that was shed for the remittance the taking away of all of our sins. Father, as we receive the Lord's body, we thank you, O God, for strength to run the race and to stay focused and not be distracted by all of the stuff that the world would try to dangle to pull us off of our focus and our devotion to you. Now, Father, we thank you. We thank you. We now receive the body of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Can I give you one example of how one pastor viewed America? This pastor was from Seoul, Korea. And he had a pretty good sized church. I would think so. His church had 800,000 members. Yes, I'm talking about Dr. David Youngie Cho, pastor of Yoido Full Gospel Church. Now, Dr. Cho is now in heaven. He lived his life out. He's in heaven now. Dr. Cho said that there in South Korea, in order for him to walk in the closeness to the Lord necessary to lead this many people and to maintain a healthy, spiritual, devotional life, he said for him... It took no less than four hours of prayer every day. Don't get nervous. You're probably not leading a church of 800,000 members. Okay. I'm, I'm just trying to give you a point. I want, to, I want you to understand something. So he said bare bones minimum. He had to be with the Lord four hours every day in prayer. But he said that whenever he came to America, because of America's prosperity and all of the distractions that Christians have in America with all of the prosperity and all of the things to do and all of the options of fun and all of the sports and all of this, he said bare bones minimum to maintain the anointing while he was in America, no less than six hours of prayer a day. And anything less than that would really begin to distract him, even as strong as he was with his walk with the Lord. Well, Pastor Stephen, didn't Dr. Cho have some have some financial problems and get into a little bit of trouble in the latter part of his life. Uh, yes, he did because he got away from his prayer time. Amen. And if you get away from yours too, even if your theology is correct, you'll find out that you're not getting that victory, but God wants you to stay close to him so that you can walk in triumphant victory, not just during the week of Passover, but every single day of your life until Jesus comes back. Praise God. How much do you need to pray? Pray. Uh, that's between you and the Holy Spirit. But I'd say if you're not praying an hour a day, uh, the enemy who has no authority over you is probably still going to be able to pull some stuff off just from the sake that you're not at your post. And he's pretty good at what he does. We'll give him that. Although we know he's defeated. But you have to walk with the Lord so that you stay strong. Amen. And you don't get distracted. Now, having said that, some of you maybe need to repent because you haven't prayed 
You don't even know where your Bible's at. You're listening to me talk. You haven't read your Bible in probably three months. You don't even know where it's at. Okay. Or you haven't had any prayer life in a long, long time. You need to fix those things today. And you also need to do what Samuel said. Samuel said when he addressed the children of Israel, it would be sin for me not to pray for you. So he was a leader and he knew that he had to have a devotional life, a prayer life. And he said, if he's not, there's that sin. So you need to be walking with the Lord. Praise God. You can go to heaven with zero prayer life and zero time in the word, but you'll have a whole lot of bumps and bruises along the way. And this teaching of triumphant victory will sound so strange. It'll sound so unachievable. But I'm just telling you one good soaking session with God. You'll be like, oh man, I see it now. I, I'm not missing out on this. Hallelujah. Now, Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus as we receive it. We ask forgiveness for any sins that we may have committed. We ask that you wash us and cleanse us with the blood of Jesus. And we forgive anyone who has sinned against us. We pray for them. We bless them. And we go on with you. We thank you, O God, that we have a clear conscience between you and between any person. Father, we bless you. We thank you for the blood of Jesus and its mighty cleansing power. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's receive together. Woo! Oh, hallelujah. Glory. Pastor Stephen, did you feel something? Joy. Just joy in my spirit. Woo! Praise God. God has nothing but absolute victory on his mind for you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory, glory, glory. Lord Jesus, we give you praise today. Let's wait on the Holy Spirit just for a moment. Lord Jesus, we give you praise today. You are the head of the church. We give you praise. We thank you, Lord Jesus. You're moving. You're moving mightily. We thank you, O God, that on this Passover, you're giving assignments. You are giving commissionings. You are, you are unveiling more clearly the understanding of prophetic declarations, the understanding more clearly of prophecies that have been spoken before over your people. Now, Father, we thank you that the end time church, which is what we are, is a victorious church. And I thank you for your glory resting on your people. I thank you, Father, that for your people, there is always a way through that they do not have to moan and groan and fall apart. But we thank you that in you, there is always a way out. Now, Father, we give you the praise just as you took your people out of Egypt. You're taking your people out of very uh, hemmed in type situations. We thank you that it's happening even now. And we lift our hands to you around the world. And we thank you that your angels are moving right now to bring your people out of all types of hemmed in situations. We give you praise. The angels are working now. Father, we flow and cooperate and work with the angels. We give you praise for mighty deliverances, for debts paid off, for bodies healed, for wisdom solutions to difficult problems, and for knowing the way, the way to go forward. Now, Father, we thank you for breakthroughs, for incredible miracles that bring you glory, and we'll give you all the praise. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I'll be praying for you during this Passover week. Rejoice in the Lord. Passover is a feast. In other words, it's a festival. It's a time to be praising God and being happy. Amen. You've sown your seed. If you haven't yet, make sure that you do that and be rejoicing over the harvest that is already, already coming to you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day and I'll see you back real soon.